Hello, how you doing? This is Richard Barnes. This interview was recorded at the Martial Arts Exhibition in Coventry, October 2013, and was part of the Martial Mind Zone. It was an opportunity for me to find out a little bit more about the guests, what got them into martial arts, and what they had learned on their journey. This interview is subject to copyright. For more information, visit richardbarnes.com. Okay, so without further ado, it's time to chat. Hello, I'm Richard Barnes, and I'm talking to Tim Tackett. Yes, you are. I am. Um, from America. Yes. Um, California. A martial artist born in 1941. That's right. Um, now, I was just saying I find you quite an interesting fellow. Not just for your martial arts background, because you have got an amazing lineage when it comes to martial arts. Right. But for the other things that you do in your life as well. See, the thing is, I was not a martial arts instructor. Yeah, this is, this is, this is what I find quite interesting, because from what I know about you, um, you grew up, went to high school, and then you went into the forces, United yeah. States Air yeah. Force. Yeah, I met my wife in, uh, in Louisiana, and then we went to Taiwan. Yeah. And I had studied judo in 1953 for about uh, half a year, and then the, the guy at the YMCA and the guy moved. I was always big in the YMCA at the time I was a little little lad in, in Redlands, California. And we had like the Y Circus, so I did a lot of that stuff. I did uh, trampoline and teeterboard and all of that stuff in the in the circus. Every year we had the circus thing. Yeah. So when I joined the uh, Air Force, we, we ended up going to Taiwan. And I was working in a service club, and my wife was teaching uh, in an American school there in the afternoon. And I was in the day, and I was working swing shifts. So I had all day, and the uh, the guy that was helping run the gym was a Chinese guy, and we started working together. He's a kung fu teacher. I ended up uh, doing it seven hours a day, uh, six days a week. But you did judo first. I did judo first, yeah. And, and that was that overseas? No, that was in Redlands, California, okay, at so the that's YMCA. A, so, so you didn't. But it didn't last long, you know, because the guy moved. But that was in the, in the fifties. Yeah. So, but wasn't, I was about twelve. Wasn't judo in those days then something that was seen very much on the periphery? I mean, almost anti-American, if you like. No, it wasn't it was... anti-American. Just people didn't know much about it, you know. What but attracted I, you to it in the first place? I was place? always interested in uh, in World War II combatives when I was a kid. All right. You know, getting those old kill-or-be-killed books and Rex yeah. Applegate books. And I was kind of fascinated. I always playing war and with my BB gun. And we'd go out in the, into the orange groves and shoot each other yeah. and stuff. You know, so I was always into that, you know. So, but you only did it for six months? Yeah, then the guy moved. So, oh, see, there right. wasn't, there so, wasn't many people around. Yeah. Know, he was in and... We did some some judo, and, and that was that then. And then in Taiwan, I started, uh, ended up with three instructors doing all kinds of things from Tai Chi to Xing Yi to all kinds of stuff. And then when I got back, uh, I was... You did, you did in, in, well, forgive me for interrupting, but when you were there, you did it in, in, in a very, very short space of time. Almost three years. Yeah. Yeah, but you were, it was like seven hours a day, uh, six days a week, because I had three different teachers before I left. You okay, know? and but that's because you had time on your hands. My, my wife was working in the in the day, and I was I was working at night, so I had all day. But what? Okay, so there were lots of other things you could have done in your daytime at that point. Was it again the this interest that I was just back I, from? I just became interested, and I became kind of friends with the the, the man, uh, Mr. Chun, who was the teacher. Uh, and so I was very close to him, and he was a he was a, a native Taiwanese. And since the Japanese were there for fifty years, they gave belts. Yeah. 
So, and then the other one, you, the northern Chinese people or the mainland people that I studied with them, you just got a certificate of instructor or assistant instructor. They had no belts, so I had the, kind of the best of both worlds. So when I came back to the to the states, I was finishing going to college, and I was going to get a master of fine arts in in drama. So I majored in that and minored in history and English. And I to do that, I had a kung fu school, and nobody knew what kung fu was. This was in nineteen end of nineteen about nineteen sixty five. So we called it the School of Chinese Karate because people yeah. sort of knew what karate was. And I went and when I was first there was there was hardly any schools around. Each town might have had one martial arts school. And so I visited at Parker School and I met Dan and Yosanto and we went out to dinner. And then I fought, I had students fighting in Ed Parker's tournament every year. So I saw Bruce in 67. And I thought, that's pretty good, but I'm going to college full time. And then I saw, uh, I said hi to him once at a seminar at, at a tournament that Kubota was doing and I had some of my students were there so I just said hey how you doing and, uh, then my first student Bob Chapman and I after I got my MFA and I started teaching high school he said well let's let's learn some more you know so I wanted to do some more Tai Chi right so I went to a Tai Chi school in LA with him and the guy said uh, do you know any uh any Tai Chi? I said, yeah, I, I, I trained it in Taiwan. So he said, show me, and I showed it to him. And he goes, okay, I'll take you on as a student. And he had an assistant there. So when uh, I left, this assistant followed me out. And he said, you're not going to learn anything from this guy because you threatened because you already know Tai Chi. He said, uh, do you know, uh, you've heard of Bruce Lee? And I said, yeah, that's, uh, I saw him a few times. At, at that time, nobody knew who Bruce was. It yeah. was Kato, and nobody knew what Jeet Kune Do was. I said, well, I read those articles on the Jeet Kune Do. He said, well, here's Dan and Yasano's private number. Give him a call. So I called him. And I was always Dan to me because I knew him. But mm. Every year I'd see him at the tournaments and stuff. Hey, Dan. He said, well, come on in. Uh, you can take lessons. You know, Bruce had just gone to Hong Kong and it was in Dan's backyard. He said, you can come on and, uh, you know, bring some boxing gloves. And so I just started training and I just uh, really... I just started throwing away things that I had learned because this was more efficient. So I, I stayed with that for, for quite a few years. And then um, Bruce was coming back to, uh, you know, it's just so weird in those times because he was coming back to get checked at UCLA uh, because he had that, that problem with his brain thing. And so he was going to be over. He was supposed to come and visit the school. And uh, he, did, he couldn't make it. He didn't have time to make it. But we didn't even bring a camera, you know. Mm. And Dan was going over to do uh, the game of death thing. I didn't say get me a get an autograph photo or anything because you know the guy was in his 30s and he didn't think about it. Yeah. So uh, all of a sudden he he passes away and then all of a sudden G Kondo started becoming known and there wasn't too many of us who could do it and I was fortunate enough guys like uh, nobody was doing it for a living. Inusana was teaching uh, middle school. So uh, you were you were, you were teaching you had taken on students at this point, but you were still teaching in the daytime, being a drama teacher. Yeah, I was a drama teacher, but we, yeah. we weren't. We, no, we weren't. I wasn't teaching Jeet Kune Do. Yeah, I was still doing a couple nights a week of uh, of my kung fu stuff. But I, I closed my gym and I just rented a place a couple nights a week. Then I just started doing it on Wednesday nights because my friends were playing in a band, so that got me out of the house on Wednesday night. And then uh, it was kind of interesting because they ended up, uh, they had a, a record, when the a surf record in the uh, 60s, by 1960, and then they ended up getting a gold record quite a few years ago because the, uh, uh, they put it in Pulp Fiction. Oh, right, yeah, 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 yeah. The song's in Pulp Fiction yeah. when, uh, when I think when John Tavolta is, uh, 
shooting, no. shooting up heroin. Yeah. That's called busting surfboards. So anyway, yeah. I go every Wednesday night. I go see them. And then uh, after Bruce passed away, I, I just I said, Dan, I need to just teach a few people. And he said, We well, can teach in your your garage and just uh, just. Uh, Keep it to yourself. So I quit doing the Kung Fu and I just started teaching the GQ. Can I ask you then, you've asked permission to teach because this is something This is something I picked up on. This is something fundamentally different um, to these days where people open the doors and invite people to come. Well, they want people to come in, but you were picking out specific students that wanted yeah, to train I, I, to. I asked, I asked Dan if he could teach, he could just, I could share the JKD with some people. Yeah. And then all of a sudden people people started knowing all about Bruce because the movies came out. It yeah. was all this crazy crap. So they, uh, what happened was then they started wanting to do these summer camps. Okay. And since everybody else had a job, uh, Richard Bastillo was working for Continental Airlines and Poteet was a, I think he was a carpenter and Bremer wasn't interested in teaching, doing any seminar stuff. He was a crane operator. I was a school teacher, and Dan was a school teacher. We were off in the summer, so I got to do the JKD. He did the collie and all these camps and stuff. So yeah. then I started meeting people from all over the place, and uh, I just kept. I taught high school for uh, thirty years and, and taught in my garage for about that amount of time, and never we don't charge anybody. So it's just like that, and then I have students now all over the place, and I tell them to do some seminars, and that's about so it. So it, you know. it's this, this it's a hobby. It was a hobby. Yeah, basically, but it, pla- it planted the seeds for for the Fiji Kundo to yeah, just a certain to propagate. Yeah, that that, that yeah, flowed out. Yeah, so, the, so the, I started teaching Quaklin, and I did seminars over here, and uh, I guess my. my uh, Carl Lewis is going to be here uh, tomorrow to help me. He was the first time I did a seminar in Europe. So I traveled. My wife and I traveled all over. It's got me to travel and, yeah. and do stuff and share it. But in all the same time, I was teaching drama and directing plays. Well, I directed Shakespeare in high school and Tennessee Williams. And we had, I enjoyed doing that, too, you know. So that was, that's, that's your other love? Yeah, yeah, it was. The, the, the know, dra- for for the 30 drama. years. Then I finally retired. And I retired uh, early. I guess I retired at 59 after 30 years because... I, I wanted. I was enjoying coming to Europe to do seminars. Yeah. And if you did it in the summer, like we went to Germany in the summer, everybody was in Spain, you know. So there was it was hard to do seminars and stuff in the summer in Europe because everybody's on vacation. So I, when I retired, I was able to go during the school year, then, yeah. which I couldn't before. You know. It's, I'm, I'm quite surprised because all the names that you mentioned that you're trying with all, all these. Um, Martial arts legends. So to hear them describe them as school teachers, carpenters, and crane drivers. There were there were uh, there was ten guys in Dan Yard's back, Dan's backyard. It was yeah. Steve Golden. I think he was working for Intel. Uh, there was Richard, who was working for Continental Airlines. Bob Bremer was a crane operator. Uh, Pete Jacobs and Jerry Poteet were carpenters. They all had jobs, and uh, uh, actually. Poteet ended up starting to teach more for a living, uh, but Bob Bremer never did, uh, and uh, Richard did. So they opened up. Richard opened up the IMB Academy. So it just sort of grew like that. It just became so popular for a while. You know, it goes, comes, and goes. Yeah. You know? How do you um, you view Jeet Kune Do and how it's taught now? Because one of the things you, you just mentioned about was stripping out things yeah, so that they're yeah, functional. Yeah. Well, it, uh, is it is it too confused, too overcomplicated? Yeah, now? yeah. You just got to learn how to knock somebody out and get power. There's be a few simple things done well, and what you don't you don't see that very often. You know, you want to go into a JKD school and a guy hits a focus, and you go, Jesus, I don't I don't go Jesus too much anymore. Yeah, <laughs> you know? is, 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 is JKD in a better state now? 
or do you think it's, it's lost in a its confused well? state now? So how would you change that? Uh, I what? think you just have to go into. Uh, it, it, see, here's the problem. It's uh, you want to spend about eighty percent of your time. What you're going to do eighty percent of the time. So we spend. Uh, we'll spend. Uh, an hour, we'll have a two-hour class, we'll spend an hour just on the leg of structure, the straight lead punch, just how to move it, how to get the distance and the timing. And most people want to learn tricks. If you see stuff, everybody's doing tricks. A guy punch, you do this, you do this, you do that, you do this. And uh, come on, it doesn't work in the real world. And I was reading, it's an interesting guy in uh, a book called Meditations on Violence by Rory Miller. Yeah. He's in the, he's in the business. I mean, he's, he teaches uh, uh, prison guards and cops. So he, he's real world experience. Okay. And what he says, there, there's four levels of, four, four times you're going to use, uh, have to use maybe violence. Okay. One, you're surprised. You're walking down the street and somebody just comes and bangs on you, you know. The second is you're aware. You know, you're down the street. All of a sudden, come, comes up to you. You know, what time is it? You just have to keep the dish. You have to be aware of it. The third is mutual. And the fourth is attack, where you might have to attack somebody. But if you look at everybody's training, it's mutual. It's, it's what Hawk calls the myth of the duel. Let's go on outside and you, you get in this or let's touch gloves and stuff. But see, violence in the real world doesn't, no. it doesn't happen like that. But if you notice everybody's training, 90% of the training is is done with that mutual myth of the duel thing where everybody squares up. First of all, why the hell would you ever square off on anybody? You know, just giving them information. So we, we try to make our training to be more, more of a, that real, that realistic idea of getting it over as soon as possible. Bruce said the best way to win, told Bremer, best way to win a fight is reach over and knock them out. But there's just too much where nobody is really concentrating on intercepting. The name of the art is intercepting. And so you learn to, to, folk, you know, to keep your distance. A guy moves and you knock him out. And they spend your time doing that instead of doing all this other stuff. You know. For you, this is the, mar- the martial art just about the violence or is there another side to it? Is there a spiritual Of course side? there's a philosophical side to it. There's, there's all of that kind of, of thing, which is interesting. But you, know, you, don't, you don't stress it too much. You, 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 you get it by doing it instead of somebody talking about it, you know. I had a debate with um, a guy that's here, um, Tony Pillage, and uh, why people come to do martial arts. Yeah. And I, I, ha- I have this stripped-away theory that people come to do martial arts, whatever style, because they want to find peace. That's possible. Some people want to feel comfortable in their situations, too, and that's part of the peace idea. His, his idea is that people come to martial arts because they want to find happiness. No, I, I think peace because well, they're, they're no well, longer affronted by their th- fears and they're more com- comfortable in themselves, and therefore, you know, peace ensues. That's happy. That, but that causes happiness, then, doesn't it? The peace. That that is his argument. I'm yeah. I'm kind of middle way between yeah. the, the two now. Is, is is that the same thing for you? Why you took up martial arts originally? I took up martial arts to uh, learn to beat people up. Really? <laughs> who were who might be after me? You know, so I could defend myself. Because there was car clubs and you know the fifties and gangs and stuff. So you know we had a few scraps and stuff. So you want to learn how to fight. But then it led then to to more of the philosophical aspect of it, where you didn't. Once you once I learned that, I never had to fight again. This is interesting. Yeah. Is that because you learnt the signs that preempt violence and therefore were able to avoid them? Yeah. Or- also, also, then, then um, we do a lot of uh, training on that, too, uh, like how to avoid verbal confrontations. Yeah. So we do a lot of that stuff. And I learned that from a guy named uh, Nick Hughes, who is... Uh, 
was a former uh, French Foreign Legion guy, big talk about. He's not really doing martial arts anymore, but a lot of our training has to do with with avoiding uh, avoiding the combat. For the most combat with young lads, the young people is uh, in the bars. Somebody says, uh, "The hell are you looking at?" So you go and tell me that. Say it. What are you looking at? That T-shirt. Where'd you get that? I've been looking for that that T-shirt everywhere. I can't find it. And it just it stops the whole thing, you know. So we come up with those. And part of our training is come up with those scenarios. Where somebody will say, "What's your problem?" Uh, I found out I have cancer, you know, just the other day. You know, and it solves all that problem. So you try to teach the young guys that instead of going back on it, you know. And so that that's part of peace, I guess. And you you, you actively do that as part of your training. Yeah. And that's of course. A, is that the twenty percent or the you know always no that, that's just, that it's just a small you just take it takes about five minutes to work on that yeah. you know and then you just you just learn on that and then you're keeping distance you know to the um, you have to you have to be able to you have to be able to keep that fighting measure that normal kind of idea there and so we work a lot on distance just does the, the okay the, the drama teacher part of you then comes into that obviously. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's where you've linked it. This is, this is when I said to you at the outset, I find you an interesting fellow because you have this background in martial arts, but you've also this, this drama side to it. And although they're both arts. Uh, I directed but, 70 plays. Yeah? Yeah, three plays a year for, you know, long, for 30 years. So you've had two love affairs through your life then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're married as well. Yeah, yeah. So you were the arts. Um, I've got one final question to ask. Okay. Before I do that, guys, I've got, I've got with me, do you want to ask Tim a question? Yeah, I would. Uh, you talked about your early interest in army combatives. And it's not just with, you know, like with the MMA about, you know, mixed martial arts. They talk about Bruce Lee being one of the first people to put together. One of my people I look back on is William Ewart Fairburn who's in the show. Oh, yes, 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 what yes. What are your thoughts on W.E. Fairburn and what he Oh, did wonderful on? stuff. In fact, I, I just actually, uh, there's a lot of good World War II books that I, I've just got, uh, Rex Applegate's got some good stuff and all those, all those. I, I, Bert Poe was one of our guys was at Marine Raider. We did, so his stuff was very JKD oriented, but it wasn't JKD, but it was, you know, you break something and get back on your feet, you know, and he was like tearing eyes out and doing all that kind of thing, you know, Bert was. But uh, it's interesting. It's it's interesting. But you know, it, it, I don't I don't even buy that because I, I just started. You know, bar jitsu. You ever heard of bar jitsu? Yeah, with the, the yeah, but but see, but see that that that's a proper wrestling, and they use the glacane, and they use some sabata, and use that was way back in the, in, you know, what, nineteen oh five or yeah. something. So that was a mixed martial art, wasn't it? So. I think the founder of it was because it was just he became popular. That's why he's a founder. But he had some of it in Enter the Dragon. You know, he taught very little. Very little uh, uh, grappling was taught when he was alive. We had like about three or four locks and a few throws, and that was about it. You know, no, no, what it had been later. You know, but at that point, it was more of a stand-up art. But so we we still have to you have to kind of add the grappling too and how to defend against. It's important. But you know, uh, I just uh, just kind of. Have a good time, relax, you know. Any questions? For ask my final killer question. I uh, when I do my podcast, I offer um, my guests the chance to have a go in my diesel fueled time machine. Ah, okay? okay. So you get to have a go in this and go back and perhaps have a chat with yourself when you're 12, 13, 14 years old and have a few words in the ear of worldly wisdom that you would have now that you would like to convey to yourself then. I miss some, there are some girls I missed a good chance with. 
<laughs> you know, I didn't pick up on those hints then. I really screwed up. Yeah. That's about it. But then again, you wouldn't have met your wife then, would you? That's true. That's true. That's true. But this was before. This was way before my wife, when I was in you know, high school and junior high. So that's about it. Uh, one, one final question. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just the, the, the world view of the martial arts scene is, it, is at the moment. There's more, for me, looking at statistics, there are more people engaged in martial arts activities um, in various styles and whatever. Is, is, that, is that something that encourages you more because you were instrumental and perhaps, you know, propagating the Western? Yeah, I is, really is, is that a good thing? That, that's, you know, well, is, is that a good, do you take pleasure out of that now? And a little bit. People, bit, are doing little bit. It? people do a martial arts and stuff, but then I look at it and what, but if they're, if they're, are they doing anything that's efficient, real, or is it just, is it going to get the guy killed in the street if he actually thinks he's going to be able to use some of that stuff? See, I, I have a, a, a license to carry a gun. I legally can carry a gun back home, so yeah. I do a lot of that kind of training, too. It's important also. Uh, so, to sum up, yep. um, you are encouraged that people are doing more, but I dis- discouraged but by I, the fact I, I want to make sure that what they're doing is realistic, yeah. too. You know, that actually is not going to... They don't want to... I don't, I don't want people to have a false sense of security thinking this little trick that they learned is going to work against some guy in a, in a bar. You so know what I mean? How, how would... Okay, final, final question. Okay, if that is the case... What advice would you give to somebody that's seeking to do martial arts to find an efficient system? What questions should When you're learning they ask? something, think of uh, why that guy's doing that to you. What can you be doing to him? What, you leave, what is he leaving open? And always have an open mind. Is this, okay? He's doing this. Well, okay, I can take his eye out while he's doing that. But I, I'm very polite and I learn it. Yeah. And I work it. But I'm, I'm looking for always looking for the weakness in it. Open Structural mind. weakness, yeah. Hope always an open mind, and don't be bound by anything. Truth is always outside of all fixed patterns. Tim, thank you. It's been an absolute okay. pleasure talking to you. All right, good, good, Thank good. you.